Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on this Day of Remembrance. I'm sure there isn't anybody that doesn't remember where they were on 9-11 all those years ago. But today we're going to be focusing on my guest. He is Wayne Faulkner. He's the founder of Think, Create, Success, and he's also an author. Welcome to the show, Wayne. Hello. Good to be here. I, I'm, I'm so delighted. Wayne is, is actually in Tennessee as we speak, and that's the beauty of a podcast because he doesn't have to be living around the corner to be a guest on my show. So I thought we could start off because you are a very interesting man, and I thought we could start off by having you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background. Okay, again, uh, my name is Wayne Faulkner, and I reside in the wonderful, beautiful state of Tennessee, and I am an author, and also the founder mm-hmm. of ThinkingCreatures.com, and also I am a certified life, career, and relationship coach. And Wonderful. You know, I didn't know that. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a lot. I mean, that, I mean, I can sort of see how they all relate to one another, but I didn't know, the, I didn't understand, I didn't know you are, had a coaching background as well. So that, that's very, very interesting. And as you mentioned, you're the founder of Think Create Success. So let's let's have. I want to show with the audience what your mission and goals are all about with this organization. Okay, this organization simply is to help all of my readers have a basis for hope, awareness, inspiration, and motivation. And they gain that through my writings and also when they venture into my website and learn more about what I do and my coaching services, I'm all about trying to improve other people's lives. That's great. Did you have a mentor yourself, Wayne? Well, I would say my mentor, mentors came through my readings. And all the books that I've read, I haven't met mm-hmm. many individuals personally, but through the many uh, books that I've read, their writings, those individuals, I call them my mentors. That's great. That, that's, that's, I think, you know, depending upon what anybody does um, in their professional life or even sometimes in their personal life, I mean, you mentioned your life coach as well, um, mentors are very important. Um, they're trusting, and, and, and I think that that's, and, and you, the first word you used was hope. And I like that as well. So let's spend some time talking about what it is you do. And I know that you have a four-step concepts for success. And I, and I know there are four of them. And I thought we could talk, you, you would, can talk about the benefits and the values of each of these concepts. And let's start with think. What, is, what do you mean when you say think? 
Yeah, the four-step concept that I created is called Think, Create, Meditate, and Journal. Excuse me. Okay, since we're starting with think, that's a very basic thing for all of us. We all think. Yes, we do. In fact, it's very hard not to be able to think. We can do a little simple experiment here. If I say, try very hard not to think of a pink elephant, what's the first thing you thought of? Right, the pink elephant. (laughs) Of course, that's right. Yeah. So thinking thinking comes natural to all of us, but I discovered a very profound thing. It's not that we think, but most of the time we do not know how to think. We think incorrectly. And by Mm. thinking incorrectly, it produces the results that we do not want in our lives. So I wrote a book called How to Think and Create Success, and that book is all about teaching you how to think and create success, how to be a better thinker. Right. Can you give me an example of thinking correctly? I I mean, this sounds like something that I could apply to myself today (laughs) based on what I did today. Yeah. Matter of fact, all these concepts, I've had to learn and retrain myself to master them and to make them beneficial and useful in my own life. All right, let's right. Let me give you an example of thinking. All right, let's, let's create an imaginary character. And we're going to say his name is Bill. Okay, Bill has started to uh, seek out a new uh, career, a new job. And in doing so, he has sent out resumes. And he's gotten some great response. In fact, he's gotten an interview that's scheduled for next Tuesday. Now, the greatest thing that's on Bill's mind is the unknowns. How well will the interview process go? Will he be able to present himself professionally? Does he have the right skill set to be a viable candidate for the job? Does he have the experience needed? For the position, all kinds of negative self-talk will come up in Jim's mind. So he's starting to think like this. He's thinking and creating an outcome that he does not want. Oh, yes. Yes. The negative feedback loop is playing over and over in his head. Hey, what if you have a flat tire on the way to the interview? You'll be late. That's not going to look good. What if you get tied up in a traffic jam? All these what-ifs that may never, ever come to be, but this negative self-talk. He's thinking and creating an outcome into his reality that he really does not want, but he's thinking it anyway because he doesn't know any other way to think. That's On the other hand, I'm sorry. No, 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 finish your thought because I wanted I wanted to um, say something about this negative thinking. I wanted you okay. to be able to complete your thought. Yes. On the other hand, this is how I suggest the individual to think that has a job interview. Start saying things like this to yourself, I am happily, or I am joyfully anticipating a great interview. I am happily anticipating that all of my skills will be properly appraised and I will present myself as the winning candidate. I am happily anticipating these events. So in thinking this way, he's now creating and thinking and attracting to himself the actual outcome that he really desires. Right. He has changed and improved the manner in which he thinks. 
I so love that. And I actually did that today myself based on an experience where I just could not remember where I found my where I parked my car and I ultimately needed some help with somebody that was doing traffic and they were helping me find my car. And as I was coming home, I said to myself, you know, Marsha, Monday's trash day. You need to take this negative thought about, oh, my God, where was my car? And you need to throw it in the trash. You found your car. You solved the problem. And I, I say that out loud. Do you recommend that people sometimes in their ability to correct their thinking actually speak it out loud? Yes. We're going to talk at some point later about mantras. That is a type of mantra that you can use. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right, we'll come to that then. So we talked about thinking. Let's talk about create. What is the benefits and the values of that concept? When you think, you are creating. They go hand in hand. To think is to create. Whatever you think about, you will eventually become that. You are what you think about. So as you think, you are creating something inevitably into your reality. It's being created by your thinking. A thinker is a creator. A creator is a thinker. Mm, They're partners. Yes. Oh, very much so. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh They're partners. You almost can't have one without the other, can you? You cannot. It's not possible. Yes. Well, and that's why this is called the four-step concepts for success, because you know about this. Let's, let's talk about meditate. I want to know what you went, when you say that you have that meditation is your superpower, what, what do you mean by that, and how, does, how do you apply that to these concepts? Oh, okay, meditation. Let me first uh, roll back a little bit and tell you how I sure. started meditating. When I Please. first heard the concept of meditating, it was very unfamiliar to me. Mm-hmm. I knew quite a bit about prayer due to my Christian upbringing, yes, but meditation was a foreign concept to me. I did not know how to approach it. But as I studied more about it and I had someone to sort of give me some tips and pointers on how to start, I started. And when you start meditating, the the greatest challenge you're going to have, I'm talking about basic meditation because there are many different types of meditation. Sure. But I only focus on the basic meditation, which is most of your everyday lay person. Okay, the greatest challenge you're going to have is getting your body and your mind to relax. Because being untrained in the art of meditation when you're trying to start, your mind is going to race and go everywhere. For example, you're thinking about, i got to take the car to the shop after work. i got this project that's incomplete at work. i got to get finished with it. My superior is waiting on the results of it. i got to take the kids to soccer practice. All those things that we have to do in our everyday life experience, those are the things that will be on our mind. Am I going to be late for work? Oh, my goodness, where are my keys? i got to go. You know, yes. until you get to the point where you can relax your body and your mind, and your mind will settle down. But it starts with being able to relax your body. 
Once you're able to relax your body, your mind will settle down and become focused on the task at hand, which is meditating. Mm-hmm. And I say meditating, meditation is my superpower because of this. Believe it or not, the books that I write, that's where they come from. The ideas that I get, it comes from meditation. And any ideas that I get at any other time, I'm going to meditate on those ideas until those ideas become a real living substance. All of the inventions, concepts, solutions that we see in our everyday life, they came through some type of thinking and creating. Now, to take it on to a higher level, meditation. Yes, meditation is great for relaxing your body, relieving stress. Yes, that's going to happen for sure. That's a byproduct of it. But to take it on a higher level, this, this is how you will tap into the divine, infinite mind that has all wisdom and knowledge. And when you can tap into that source, all you have to do is receive any answers to any questions or challenges that you may have, you can get that information from the divine source. You know, that's that's really so powerful what you just said. Um, as someone that practices yoga, I understand something about meditation. I understand the value of calming down. When you meditate, is it ever... Do you do you do you speak it or do you think it or do you do a combination of both? No, after I start my meditation, I start. I, I um, awake each morning about four thirty a.m. Between four four okay. four thirty and four thirty five, I drink a glass of water, and then I prepare to go up to my home office and I start my meditation process session. Exactly, 5 o'clock. I meditate for one hour every day. Whoa, one hour. One hour. Now, granted, when I first started, I could not master one hour. Mm-hmm. I had to do increments of 15 minutes until I disciplined myself for the meditation session. Once I became a little experienced with practice and repetition, I was able to go for the hour duration of time, and that's where I am. And I don't go any longer than that, one hour. Sometimes the meditation becomes so enthusiastic because when I'm meditating on something so interesting, I may go over for 10 or 15 minutes, but normally it's one hour exactly. And no, I meditation, I meditate in my mind because that's where the divine, infinite power is communicating with me, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's That's so... That's so interesting. Um, I'm I'm such a vocal person. I mean, I do live alone except for my cat. And um, sometimes I need to vocalize because I feel like there's somebody else with me. Do, do you know? Mm. Uh, and I and so I, I should really see if what I could do is slow the mouth down. And do you do you practice breathing as you meditate as well? Do you do meditative breathing? Well, when I start my session, I start with three deep breaths. Inhale and exhale. Okay. And then I tell myself, audibly, and this is the only thing I say audibly during the 50-minute duration of meditation time, 
Be still and know I am God. That's Psalms 46, verse 10. And what I'm saying then to myself, every cell of my being has to come into complete control of the I am of me. Then I start my meditation process. That's that's really uh, I and I can I I actually I can sense the calmness of what that must be like as you even describe that. Do you? Lay down to do that? Are you in a, in a sort of a, a darkened room? I mean, at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm sure the sun isn't quite out yet. Uh, is it mm-hmm. is it dark? Do you lay in a certain spot and do this? It's like, is it that part mm-hmm. of your routine? No, I recommend to anyone who wants to follow my way of meditating to sit upright in a chair. In a oh, very interesting. Quiet, yes, in a very quiet place. Naturally, as you said before, it's dark outside, <laughs> and uh, the room is dark. Yes. And let me yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, let me say why I start at 4.30, excuse me, at 5, because if you start meditating about 7 or 8, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, well, at that point, the the universe is being bombarded by all my goodness, a whole ton of negative energy because people are awake starting their day. Right. Start at a time where the universe is very calm. Mm-hmm. So that, that will enhance my mm-hmm. meditation session. That makes sense to me. And, and and this really leads us into the last one, which is journaling. And um, that's something that I do. So tell me a little bit about your journaling process. Okay, journaling is, uh, I have a journal, and I suggest that, you know, anyone would like to try this, get their own journal, and it can be something as simple as a notebook that you buy at your local Walmart or wherever exactly. you get one. And you can order a very nice one like I did from uh, Amazon, and mm-hmm. it is your preference. But in the journal, you want to capture all of your ideas, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, you're thinking on paper. And also when you're journaling, it's almost like you're having a conversation with a very close dear friend. Right. Yes. And you want to I write love about that, all right? those things. Mm-hmm. Yes. You want to write about all those things because all of the ideas, you know, the, the concepts, the inventions, the, the articles you're going to write, the essays, the books, or the music composition, or the Broadway plays, or, you know, any type of, art that you're creating, you know, but you may be having design ideas. All of that needs to be captured in your journal because as you write in these journals over a long period of time of your life, it's going to be a wonderful heirloom to leave to your legacy. Your, Absolutely. Yes, they can review that journal and get ideas and concepts that they may have never dreamed of. Mm-hmm. They will learn so much about how you solve problems, how you dealt with challenges how you overcame certain things, how you went about your life and being a success, you know. It's going to be very informative. Absolutely. And my sense is, based on what you said, this is all handwritten. You're not sitting at the computer writing these thoughts down. Oh, no, no, handwritten, yes. That's what I thought. That's the, I, wanted to, I wanted to be clear about that. So I, I really appreciate those four concepts, and I can see how – 
it leads to success. And let's talk about your books. Let's talk about this this book called Setback. I love the title. Setback or <laughs> Stepping Stone. It's your choice. What um, What do you mean when the subtitle is with all my ma- my might, it shall be done. Let's tell me about this. Okay. Now, with all my might, it shall be done. That is a mantra for sure. And it simply means this: it's a single-minded thought and unwavering decision-making idea, implementing the highest degree of effort and commitment humanly possible. Bring to bear every fiber of your being. Now, here's something very interesting. Most of the time when a person takes on a venture and it may not have the success initially that they thought it would have, and they may have a conversation about that with a friend or an associate or a family member, and they may be somewhat disappointed. And naturally, the person you're speaking to is going to try to encourage them. So, okay, you did great. You did your best. Aha! That's a very tricky statement because when you say that, you just gave that individual a very comfortable place to quit. That's their way out. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they're going to run and hide behind, well, I did my best. Nobody can say anything about that. Yeah, leave him alone. He said he did his best, so end the story, okay? But this is what I say. Tell me, did you attempt that venture with all of your might? Uh-oh. No, I didn't. Wow. That is powerful. <laughs> because, well, I did my best, Is it just naturally flows. Well, yes. I tried. You know, I, I yes. thought I knew what I was doing. But you've restated that, and I want you to repeat it again. Tell me, did you attempt, because I'm writing this down. Did you attempt the venture with all of your might? That's what you asked yourself. Yes. I, I really, I really, I really like, I like that advice. I think this is excellent advice that everybody could benefit from. So in moving on with more of the questions I'm really interested in asking you, when you who who are you who's the audience that your book would be um who are you looking to target for your book? This book is for anyone who has faced a setback of any kind. It could be a current challenge that they're dealing with. If you have faced a challenge or setback, oh, my goodness, you need hope. You need Mm -hmm. to become aware. You need inspiration. You need motivation. And know this above all things. Turn your pain into purpose. Yes. You know, I'm sorry to jump in and make this about me right now, but that is exactly what I did. I didn't know that my husband was going to suddenly die. Now what? And I'm looking at this piece of paper that's above my um, monitor in my office, and it says, trust the process. Because what Butch always said was, it is what it is. Adapt. And so I turned that process 
of realizing I was a sudden widow into a purpose. And I think, and, and that's, and then I, the next word that follows after purpose is grateful. I'm really grateful to do this every week. This isn't something I'm looking to make an income on. I'm just so thrilled to be able to have people like yourself, Wayne, that want to share what's purposeful and important to you. And by doing that, you just don't know what that leads to in the next person that's listening. And in that chapter where it says everyday application, you talk about your personal mantra. And do you have a moment that you could provide as an example of that? Yes, I do. And I want your audience to think about what would our families and communities, cities and schools look like if everyone started a personal mantra. And the basis of it is, with all my might, it shall be done. It will cause a wave of positivity as well as good karma to rush across the entire country. For example, we got dads, we got fathers. Fathers, will you become better fathers? With all my might, it shall be done. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Mother, will you become better, better mothers? With all my might, it shall be done. Children, will you become more obedient and respectful? With all my might, it shall be done. Teachers, will you become better teachers? With all my might, it shall be done. And on and on and on, if we would take on that type of mindset of positivity, our communities would change. Yes. They would change. I agree. And, you know, it, and, and it starts with us. I mean, I don't have grandchildren. My, my children are grown adults. But I would think that for those people listening that, that are influencing their children, their grandchildren, and talking about this, what, what a wonderful, as you said, wave of positivity to be able to actually express this, having nothing to do with being an entrepreneur, but just a mindset and yes. I, I think that this is a perfect example of of how you can do that. And I, I, I think it leads me to, to my next question with you, which is that you, you mention in your book that you ponder how we might have gotten our beliefs. And um, you mentioned that, you know, you're a, a, a Christian man. Um, I was just wondering if you could give us some insight about that. Does your religion play a part in this? Well, not exactly. That's a okay. different type of belief entirely. But it should right. be somewhat intertwined and related to what I'm about to say to you for sure. All right. We, when you're born, all humans that I know it, you're born as a blank slate. Just like a CD that's sitting in any store that you will go and buy CDs from, it's blank until you record some type of information on that CD. So we are as well. We are born in blank slate, not knowing anything. But through our environment, over time, friends, relatives, mother and father, sister and brother, teachers, employers, they embed things within our subconscious mind that we didn't ask them to do. They programmed us with what they thought we should have. Starting out as an infant, 
The infant is programmed. We all are programmed. Very rarely do we ever think, why do I think like this? Why do I have this personal philosophy that I have? Where did it come from? Why do I have these views I have? Why do I have these perceptions of things and of people and of places? I wasn't born like this. Now, that is correct. You were not. Over time, your environment, your association, every place where a human had contact with you embedded something that blanks like, and it evolved over time into you currently today. But what doesn't happen is we never question how we came to be as we are. We never examine ourselves. That's very interesting. Um, I mean, I'm 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 guessing because this is what I'm doing, so I don't know if that's what somebody listening is doing. Is I'm processing the self-examination of just what you said, and um, and why we think the way we think, and how we that we started as a blank slate. I think this is really important. But I do think that based on what we've been talking about, you can pivot. That's a, a word that seems to be used a great deal now. And you can reexamine and say, you know, I've been walking this, this slope for quite some time, but I'm ready to go uphill now as opposed to downhill. Would you, would you agree that that's kind of what we're talking about? I certainly do agree with that, yes. And you're exactly are correct when you say we can change. We can pivot, yes. If we are fair and honest and transparent with ourselves exactly. and, brave and brave enough to say, you know, I have a bad habit of being overly critical and judging myself as well as others. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a bold concept of Contemplate. One skill that we have mastered as humans above all else, and that is judgment. Judging ourselves and judging others. Yeah, that's that's very powerful. Um, And do you think that there's a difference between? I'm just curious because now we're, we're we're splitting words here. Do you think there's a difference between being judging and being opinionated or curious? Oh, that's an excellent question. Excellent question. Because in my Thank third you. book, I have book, I have an entire chapter dedicated to that. Let me give you a little really? bit of what that's about. Please. I have a chapter in my third book called Mastery of Observation. And wow. what I'm going to teach my readers is, Learn to do three things that will prevent you from judging yourself or anyone. That is, think critically, yes, analyze, yes, and observe without judgment. It's not easy to do, but you have to train right. yourself to be able to do it. Yeah. Do you think that where does, where does curiosity fit in there? Well, that's going to sit in there when we say think critically. 
Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Be very critical about what you are, you know, uh, interfacing with and hearing, mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. uh, you know being communicated to you, and analyze it and observe it. But do not let it venture over into the abyss of judgment. Okay. And it's okay. very difficult to do. You have to practice it and train yourself. You you bet that is difficult to do, and um, I mean I I really I mean um, my daughter is coming through from your words, from your mouth, from your lips to my ears about being judgmental, and I get defensive mm-hmm. about that, and I say I'm not mm-hmm. judging this person, I'm just curious about them. No, you're not. That's what she would say. No, you're not curious. And I and I and I and then I get really upset with her because I feel like you can't tell me I'm not curious. You might think that I'm being judgmental, but I'm just curious. That's all. But it's so it's it's a very it's an ongoing relationship debate between the two of us. It's very very interesting. I didn't mean to to go on and on about my own personal life. So let's let's get back to you. And I love this question that you want me to ask you because I think it's so fabulous. You have a chapter in your book called 20 Million Millionaires. And I'm just wondering, exactly, are you suggesting to your readers that it is possible to become a millionaire? Not on a game show now. I know who wants to be a millionaire with a game show. But I'm just saying, are you suggesting that your readers could become millionaires? And if so, how, how would that work? Oh, yes. I am saying that exactly. In fact, All right. when I wrote this book, when I wrote this book, I had no idea because the process that it took to write it through my meditation and thinking and and all of that, this book was written. Now that it's finished, as I've read it many times myself, it's almost mm-hmm. like I wrote it as this was the last book that I was going to ever write. So everything that I thought or that was given to me had to be included in it. And that's why that chapter's in there on on finances and money. Okay. Yeah. Because when a person has a setback or a challenge, it's going to be related to your finances, or it could send a hurricane through your finances. You're going to be affected financially some way because sometimes setbacks and challenges are to the point where we are not affected in our place of employment. Hmm. We're not you know, we're not 100% like we used to be and productive because something has happened in our lives. Yes. And we're trying to work around that and still trying to, to be productive and be accountable and defendable as we should be in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So when we have finances and we're able to create wealth from the means which I'm going to discuss in a moment, you have another way of, of bringing in uh, money, cash flow, and wealth other than your place of employment. Okay, now here's something that's going to be absolutely fascinating to you and your listeners, and that's this. I've, I worked 17 years in corporate America as a manager and 22 years in the field of education. That was my work career, those two things. I started out in corporate America and a second career became in the field of education after I finished with corporate America. 
So it occurred to me that in elementary school, particularly third grade and fourth and fifth, we are taught the basic secret of how to become very, very wealthy. But it's not really? explained to you. Yes. It's not wow. explained to you in that manner. It's not. But you are taught. Hmm. Everybody who's ever gone through elementary school in third, fourth, and fifth grade, you have all the tools necessary to become a millionaire. Yes. And it's very unique. And, you know, when you think about it, it goes something like this. In elementary school, matter of fact, let me say this too. After fifth grade, you as an individual usually is pointed in a direction that's going to steer you away from being wealthy. Isn't that hmm. interesting? Very. Because we start, yes, we start taking on the attributes that are conducive for having a career, a job. And once we focus 100% on that, we are earning what's needed to take care of our living expenses and our financial obligations, which is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But we forget about those secrets that were taught to us in third and fourth grade because we have focused now on the job. 100% of our efforts and energy and intention is on the job. All right, let me roll it back and go back to third grade. In third grade, you are taught four basic math facts. Yes. Addition, subtraction, division, and multiplication. Only yes. one of those math facts has the ability to make you wealthier beyond anything you can imagine, and that is multiplication. Mm-hmm. Addition cannot make you wealthy. Subtraction, division cannot make you wealthy. If I had a grandson, and I do not, <laughs> mm-hmm. if I had a grandson, I said, he'd come over and he says, Dad, uh, Granddad, uh, if I had to do with the chores every time I come by, would you pay me? Yes, son, I, uh, grandson, I'll pay you $2. And he comes and he does the chores and I give him $2. He comes back again. I give him another 2 bucks. Well, that's addition. The first $2, he's earned another 2 so now he has 4 that's a slow process, and you will accumulate slowly, but you're going to run out of time. Using those other three types, addition and subtraction and division, we do not have a life expectancy long enough as a human to get wealthy using those two, those three. Hmm. All right. Now, when it comes to subtraction, if I give my grandson $2 for doing his chores, then he comes back next couple of days, and, and I says, you know, those two dollars I gave you, could you give those two dollars back to me? Well, he goes back to zero. All right, let's go to division. Well, he comes by about five times and two dollars, he's gotten up to ten dollars. If I were to tell him, says, okay, you got some friends, I want you to give each one of your friends part of your earnings. Give them two dollars each. You keep two. You give your friends to us. No, you're back where you started from. You're not making any progress. Right. 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 Here's some multiplication. So the final time he comes over, I said, I'll tell you what, I've got an idea. Every time you come do chores at my home, I'm going to start you with $2, but now we're only going to multiply. When I give you two, next time you do chores, two times two is four. When you come back next time, 
Where do we stop? Four. Give it two times four is eight. Your wealth is multiplying. Exponentially. Yes. Exponentially. I'm fabulous. Yeah, and in my book, I use an example of investing in stock, dividend paying stock. I use this principle and this formula and explain it in detail how, for instance, if you buy 100 shares of stock at $5, well, it's going to cost you 500 bucks for those 100 shares. Over time, those shares, uh, they become worth of $20 each. Now that's 100 times 20. What do you have now? You got $2,000. Right. Your wealth is <laughs> multiplied from 500 to 2,000. And on and on and on and on and on. So <laughs> we as people in Western society, when I was growing up, my grandparents taught me, who raised me, says, you must find a career of your choice, a job, and you need to learn to do two things. You need to learn to be honest, reliable, and dependable, and be a hard worker so you can pay for all your living expenses and take care of all your financial obligations. Good stuff. I listened and learned that. But it's one thing they didn't tell me. If I made $100, well, take $70 and take care of your living expenses and financial obligations, $30, one portion of that $30 should be used to make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. You gotta put a portion of your money to work making more money because we can only work so many hours. In a twenty four hour right. The money has and to you work don't, harder than you need. And and you and you need the balance. By 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 becoming successful financially, you also need to know that there needs to be work and and um, non-work time to balance, so that yes. you aren't overloaded by that. And um, I, there's so many other questions I'd like to ask you, and I, I think I would really like to ask you this because it kind of goes along with what I was just saying. Let's talk about emotional frequency and the vibration scale mentioned in the chapter, Guard Your Energy. I'm really interested in knowing what you mean about that. Okay. Now, when I said that the common thread that runs through all of my books that I write, I'm writing the fourth uh-huh. book now, is hope, awareness, inspiration, and motivation. What I aim to do in my writings, one of the things I aim to do, is to make my readers aware of things that probably they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. And that is energy. Everything in this universe is energy. There's nothing static. Everything is vibratory energy. The electronic devices that we're using right now, the chair I'm sitting in, uh, the table, my desk here in my home office, they appear to be solid, but they're not. There are moving molecules that are moving so quickly to the human eye, they look, the object looks solid. But there are molecules moving at an incredible rate of speed because everything is vibratory energy. Thought waves are energy. We, we have what we call particle energy is a book. 
a phone, eyeglasses, a table, a chair, anything that you can touch with your hands, we would say it's a particle, okay? Even if you can see it and it's solid. But there is waveform energy, electroviolet waves, ultraviolet waves, I'm sorry, electromagnetic waves. Then we have radio waves, thought waves. Your thoughts, they're always energy. Your emotions, the emotional frequency, vibrational level, is very, very real. Your emotional state carries the energy of vibration form with it. For example, when you look in my book, when you look at the emotional frequency vibrational chart, if your mental state is shame, humiliation, guilt, blame, apathy, despair, grief, regret, fear, anxiety, desire, craving, anger, and hate, you are vibrating at a very low frequency. Yes. Now, going back to guarding your energy. Every day, every moment, it would be wise for me and everybody who's listening to me to monitor your energy level because as your energy level goes, so goes your mood. So goes your mood, so goes your emotions. When your energy level drops, your mood is going to change and it's going to be very negative. It's going to spiral down into darkness, anxiety, grief, apathy, depression. Regret, despair, guilt, shame, those are all negative emotions. And once it spirals down there, your energy is very, very low. So yeah, you're exhausted. To, yes, yes, to monitor our energy level and keep it up at all times. But what should we do if we feel it dropping? Here's some things you can do. Get moving. Get your body moving. Go walking. Go wash the car. Uh, go vacuum the floors, anything to get you physically moving. Or go exercise, lift weights, ride your bike. Go to the park and walk, walk out in nature. Listen to positive uh, affirmations on your headphones, on your phone. Listen to upbeat music, whatever genre that you may like. Do something to bring your energy level back up, and your mood will change to a yes. more positive emotional state. It happened today. What you just described is what my morning was like. And I, I, I didn't realize that I was doing what you've just described, but I was constantly saying to myself, you need to get past this. Listen to this music. You love this song. Sing along. You love music. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need mm-hmm. to keep moving. That's what you were doing. You were walking. That's what you do every day. It gets you out. It gets you away from the computer. It gets you away from responsibilities. It's your time for you. And I don't think many of us take that kind of time that we need for, like you say, for our own vibration to to refocus ourselves and just say, "Oh man, that that worked. That's I." I feel so much different now. And I, when I have experiences like that and it involves somebody else, I am always the person that says, thank you. Thank you for your assistance. Thank you for going out of your way. This really has touched me, and I'm grateful. Do you find that you do that too? 
Absolutely, yes. Yes. And what I do specifically myself, I have another mantra, and this is what I say, and it is tied directly to the emotional frequency vibrational chart, and I say this, my, I affirm it, my emotional frequency vibrational level is 528 hertz. That's the upper level of the scale. And it is love, devotion, joy, serenity, peace, bliss, and enlightenment. I'm creating my own world the way I want it to be. Regardless of what's going on around me naturally, I have very little control over that. But I do have control over what's inside of me. Because I do understand in daily life, we will experience whatever the inner you projects. If the inner you is projecting sadness, you're going to be sad. You're going to experience sadness. If the inner you is projecting hate, you're going to be a person that hates others and yourself. If the inner you is projecting love, peace, and harmony, that's what you're going to experience. You know, it's, 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 I believe everything that you've said, and there's, there's the flip side of this. And I thought, um, I thought you could talk about this because I think this is also very important. When you talk about why people feel stuck, as mentioned in the mm-hmm. chapter, why am I stuck and what part does the ego play in this dilemma, there's times when maybe all of us feel stuck. What would you say about that? Oh, I have been so stuck until I didn't know I was stuck. <laughs> I had to discover that truth about myself. I'm stuck, and I need help. And I didn't know how right. to help myself. And But what I've learned is we're stuck mainly because of three primary reasons. How we think, our ego, and more or less, what we believe about ourselves. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And the ego, the ego is the the main culprit in the whole situation. <laughs> because the ego, wow, is so crafty. And the ego, all negative energy is a contradiction of the ego. One hundred percent. All that you may feel, that you're projecting, that you feel you may be sensing, it's from the contradiction of the ego. Because the ego wants to keep you off balance and keep you in a state of chaos emotionally and mentally because that's how the ego feels and knows that's its greatest tool to control how you feel and what you think. Now, let me that's, give you an example. That's, please. Oh, I'd love an example. Yes. Yes. So let's say um, you're feeling kind of ill, and it's not anything major, something minor, and uh-huh. you say, well, you know what? I think I'll feel better by noon. I'm going to have a nice lunch and maybe go walking. And the ego's going to say, in your mind, no, you're not. You're not going to feel better. So, well, where did that come from? It's not you. It's the ego. If you start out on a new venture, uh, you're going to open a coffee shop, 
And he thinks, well, my first day is going to be very, very good and productive. I'm going to have a lot of customers. No, you're not. You've never done this before. What makes you think you can run a business? That negative self-talk, that's the ego. It's it's not you. And that is what's being played out in our minds, and it keeps us stuck because sometimes we think that it is us, and we buy into it. That's the worst thing we can do, is buy into believing what the ego is saying. Hmm. And on the flip side of that is, if you persevere and be very confident and bold and courageous, and go for your dreams, that little voice is going to disappear. You're not going to hear it anymore because the ego is recognizing, you know, all those things I used to say, I used to get them to work on that individual, but it doesn't work anymore. So I'm leaving them alone. Huh. You go get in someone else's head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, man. You, so in the in this remaining time we have together, because I just find you so fascinating. I wish we were neighbors and we could be just taking a walk together. Um, yeah. I do. I, I, I think I would just continue to learn so much from you if I would be quiet long enough to listen and not interrupt. So what's up next for you? I have a feeling you're writing another book. Is that what's happening now? Is that where you're headed? Uh, yes, I am. I'm writing a new book. I'm about halfway done with the fourth book. Oh, good. And, yes. And that book really is about the how to think and create and journal concept because I really want to make that really applicable to all of my readers. So I revisit that concept and, and, and writing a new book based solely on that concept, how to apply it, how to use it in all kinds of situations. So it will, be, it will become a, a way of life. When you're writing, do you find, because I have a lot of authors that have joined me over the years, are you a person that just pounds that on the computer? Do you sit down with paper and pen and do outlines? What's your process for writing a book like this? Well, I start with an outline, first of all. Uh-huh. I start with my title. Even though my title may change five, six, seven, eight times before I'm done with the book. <laughs> right. But I start with the basic outline, and the basic outline will determine my chapters, and I go from there. And I do write on the computer, yes. You do? I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's just faster, and I don't know about you, but um, – if there's come a time where it's like I can't read my own handwriting, I I I, I don't do cursive. I I was I've always been a printer, and um and I frankly I, and I've always printed in capitals because that seems to be the easiest way for me to read what I write, and I I think I learned that from my father. Um, but you know it, it is interesting how different people use these processes. For writing, do you set aside time for yourself to say, you know, I'm going to spend some time today. I, I visited my outline. I see what what this one chapter is going to look like, and I'm going to just spend the next hour just writing. Do you do you do something like that, or how do you do that? Yeah, that that's usually the end part of it. But let me roll it back to the beginning, how I started sure. the process. 
the evening before I go to bed, I sit on the side of my bed and I say this to myself, and I say this loudly as well. I am joyfully anticipating receiving creative ideas because wow. in my creative space, I'm doing all I can to help this world become a better place. And I go to bed. And through the night, ideas come to me. And when I get out of bed, I drink my glass of water, make my way up. And those ideas, when I start meditating, they show up on the big screen in my mind. Wow. And then do you write them down or do you just really remember them? I remember them. As soon as I finish wow. my meditation, I start typing. Yes. Yeah, it is so amazing. It works for me that is, well. I have to say that <laughs> uh, that is that is really amazing. And um, I I I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I suspect that I'm older than you. And I just think that there's times where I'll get an idea, but if I don't write it down, I really might forget it, even though I didn't want to, and it seemed important at the time. So maybe I just need to spend some time meditating on that specific subject. Well, yeah, by all means, write it down. I'm very keen on writing things down because pen and paper is a better memory than our minds sometimes. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I have legal pads right here on my desk where I have many, many notes uh-huh. that I have to write things right. on, you know, and carry them over into my meditation time. Many times when I walk, I do a lot of walking through the forest. There's a great park where I live, and I go there uh-huh. and I walk three, four miles through the park, and I'm getting ideas. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes I rush back to my vehicle so I can start jotting down notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where, where, where's the forest? What city are we speaking about? Uh, I'm in, uh, I spoke last time about... Uh, the home of Elvis, Memphis. I'm outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, sir. Okay, outside of Memphis. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um, we we share some similarities. Um, I'm also a walker, I mentioned earlier. And I'm also um, a nature lover. And oh, I had the most remarkable experience. And maybe you're seeing this where you are right now. But the spiders are out in force. There are spider webs and spiders doing their thing. And are you seeing a lot of spiders yourself where you are? No. I think it may be due to the fact that where you are uh, is probably a bit warmer. Yes. And we're going so. to early fall here, so most okay. of the insects have gone away. Well, so this is what happened. I have I don't recall ever having as many monarchs flying around as I have seen this year. And a monarch, Wayne, a monarch got stuck in a spider web where I was walking. I could not ignore that. I, I could not say this is Mother Nature's plan. I felt like the mother of that monarch and thought, I'm sorry, Mr. Spider, it's not that you don't deserve your life. I rescue them. If you come in my house, I am not going to kill you. I am going to take you outside. I'm going to gather you in a Kleenex. Please don't try to escape. That will creep me out. And I will release you. But you cannot, you cannot keep this monarch. 
and I was able to um, release the monarch from the from the web of the spider. It I felt so. I was so grateful to do that. Now maybe that was um, against what Mother Nature had in mind. Maybe Mother Nature said, "But you don't understand that spider was really trying." To, to feed and this was their filet mignon for the week and you just ruined it but i just i couldn't i couldn't hold myself back so i i'm still i still think about that and i think well maybe it was maybe it wasn't but it felt right at the time and that's what i did so um i think that you know when we can walk out and clear our minds and maybe not be rescuing a monarch but just being out amongst the people or in the forest i think it's just a a wonderful way of regenerating ourselves that it is for me i know yes and the only thing the response i have for that is it is as it should be <laughs> there you go as my husband would say it is what it is so yeah. um I, I just I want to thank you, Wayne. I want to thank you for being so enlightening, for being so charming, and and not talking over my head or you know like oh what is he talking about? I I think that what what you've done is you've made this so real and so understandable, and to me says a lot about about what it is you do. And for those of you that are listening, um, think, create success.com is Wayne's website. Um, you'll see his books listed in my blog with the link to be able to purchase those books and to watch for what's coming next because clearly Wayne is a continual work in progress, which I think is pretty outstanding, my friend. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your um, information and your personality with us today. It was It was great. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Okay, everybody, so go out. Maybe you've gotten some some frequency from some of this conversation, and maybe you're going to be thinking about how you can create your own success. Until next time, everybody, have a wonderful week. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>